Welcome to Project Performance. This podcast is brought to you by IEDT Radio Society and IEDT Students Union. I am your host, Kathy Ann Murphy, and today's topic is music in performance. I would also be joined by Danny Sykes, who is a music production graduate from IEDT. Again, if you would like to get involved in this discussion, you can tweet us or tag us on Instagram or Facebook. For me, as a director, music plays a huge role in the creation of my work. Music is embedded in our makeup. We conceive ideas, feel emotions, understand and communicate through music. Music does not always entail a structured format. In this way, music can play along sound effects, sonic waves and also hypersensitive brain frequencies because these all play a role in how the mind adapts dialogue to sound and emotion. Musical terms can also be used in numerous theatre processes. For instance, in Anne Bogart's viewpoints, terms such as tempo and composition are used in relation to devising techniques. While teaching children viewpoints in a very simplified format, I asked the students to use tempo in a lot of their work. Tempo plays a huge role in engaging the audience. Audiences' engagement hangs in the balance of tempo. We can also play around with this, elongating tempo to give an unpleasant time drawing out slowly effect or to highlight the importance of one particular moment. Musicality can also be seen in countering ensemble. Mayhurt, originally trained as a violinist, says that musicality is at the core of performance. The actor needs a background of music in order to train him to pay attention to the flow of time in stage. Most acting students learn singing techniques and dance techniques to aid this understanding, but also to make them quite versatile when it comes to casting. As an audience, we seem to gravitate towards pieces that obviously have a very clear narrative, a very clear design process and have created a sense of flow in their piece by the collaboration of the ensemble. Similar to an orchestra, one person cannot lead the orchestra even though there may be a lead violinist for instance. It doesn't necessarily mean that they stand out from everyone else. Similar to choral work, everyone has to sound like the one voice. So if we could use this in a metaphor of music in terms of performance. A domain of metaphor comes from the world of music. Simon Callow describes watching the Maley as like playing in a great orchestra. Working with a similar metaphor, Peter Brook writes, In a piece of orchestra music, each sound keeps its identity while merging into a new event. Marshall and Williams explored Brooks' orchestral metaphor further when they examined Brooks' use of the word tuning. They said, Tuning represents a quality of listening and interaction in which the personal needs to serve with the supra-personal. Of course, there is a link between the musical and theatrical ensemble with ancient links, such as the chorus in Greek theatre. This chorus plays the purpose of dramatic poetry, but also they serve as one unit. 
Lee Worley, in describing ensemble, uses the metaphor that combines both bodily and musical perspectives. He says, I always think of it like music, like a jazz ensemble. A pulse holds it together, the heart pulse rather than the individualization of the head impulses. A recent production I've seen that really encapsulates this idea is National Theatre's Jane Eyre. This piece was driven by a fantastic ensemble and also an on-stage band. The band also acted as actors and also used sound effects to really give us an ambience in the piece. But what was more interesting about this piece is how well they merged the two. How well they were able to merge music with performance. Oftentimes, especially when it comes to musical theatre, the band is separate from the piece or the orchestra is separate from the action on stage. In this way, we feel like it it is a separate entity to the action. I don't think that this is a very good way to engage music in a piece. I think music really needs to be embedded in the work to really feel that emotion and engage with that emotion. So when we look at music and we look at phenomenology, which I spoke of before in my podcast, how the audience explain and perceive sound is very different for everybody. They may have a different emotional engagement or memory with a certain sound or piece of music and in this way can relate to people in different ways. I believe as an artist that it's important to go against the grain of what is typical for a piece. So for instance, if I decide to do a happy piece, Sometimes it's more interesting to go against that grain and choose music or sound effects that is jarring to the audience and give them a different, I suppose, perception of your piece through that sound effect. I am now joined by someone who definitely has more knowledge in this field than myself. It is Danny Sykes. Danny Sykes is an Irish musician and sound engineer with an honours degree in creative music production from IUDT. Experience in studio recording, Foley and sound design, live sound, DJing and performance. He plays guitar, bass and loves his synthesizers. Primarily creates heavy industrial electronic rock music, but also experiments and records a variety of other genres. So I guess to start us off, Danny, could you tell us a little bit about your time in IEDT? Yeah, of course. So uh, I studied creative music production for four years. Uh, that's to get the honours degree. Uh, throughout the course, there's uh, kind of a, a very large range of things we cover. Initially, I went in because I, I had a focus on DJing and live sound. But shortly after, we kind of realised there was a lot more involved in the course. So you have an option of doing three years, which is just the regular degree, and then four years for the honours. The extra year really just adds on extra studio work. So it really depends on how you want to refine down uh, like your, I guess, specific craft in music. So whether you're a mixing engineer, live engineer, studio engineer, or if you're just a musician or producer. So there's there's a lot of range to it. But uh, for me anyway, I, I went into it kind of knowing I wanted to do production and like actually make music and record rather than just being at a live desk. So 
yeah. <laughs> so what is your background in music? Did you start playing music at a very young age or was it kind of later that you um, got into music? Uh, I started playing uh, guitar when I was 16 uh, and that lasted all of one month um because uh they handed me an acoustic guitar and it, it i had no music theory uh so it was just they handed me a, a guitar and they were like now now play a song and i'm like what's a song i had no idea um they were like play an e chord and i just look at them blankly like i i don't know what you want here um but i i started recording uh like little tapes and little mixes of songs when i was about 17 or 18 on like this little like bargain bin basement uh like mixing desk so I, I got into DJing initially and uh because I had no music theory that was really easy because it was just like uh BPM numbers match those and you're and you're golden you know and it wasn't until later on I was like key matching and splicing and all that kind of stuff but uh initially I got into it through DJing and uh recording music like little mixes and like remixes of stuff and then uh that spawned an interest in me going all right I guess I'll do music in school uh, and then I was shell shook when I was sat in front of a Mozart score and was told how to do like, all right, so this is like classical composition, and I'm there like blank eyed, like I uh, I listen to a lot of ACDC and Black Sabbath. I don't really I don't know how to translate this. Um, so I studied music in school for a few years, and then eventually, um, when it came to the time of picking things for the CAO, uh, the idea of getting in and doing studio work and live engineering sounded really appealing. So I signed up for IT's course with the with the guys of being like the next top DJ. And then um, after about a year or two of working DJ like clubs and like doing uh, a regular routine, I was so tired of it. I was just I was exhausted and it felt like cheating. So I um after uh, the first two years of college, uh, I started getting more into like live production and like making songs live using loops and drum machines and synths. Uh, and then about a year ago, I decided I was like, I could really do with being like a natural musician because <laughs> um, I have the theory because uh, part of the courses we do quite a lot of in-depth music theory. Uh, and I happened to had studied it for a few years beforehand, thanks to school. So I, I was quite nifty at the L scores and the tabs. So I, uh, I, I ended up kind of going, all right, I'll pick up the guitar. And then I started playing guitar, bass. I occasionally play the banjo because it's just a really funny instrument to play uh a bit of ukulele and then like keyboards but keyboards is quite basic you know it's it's kind of i'm very like I, I like whatever takes me in the moment kind of thing like i'll pick up an instrument because i need it for that particular song or this particular project and then i'll put it down and not really think about it whereas guitar and bass it's i play it every day especially during covid it's just been it's been a lot of uh classic rock and metal coming from my room like Cool. And why did you decide to go to IDT to do this course? I know there's other courses out there in music and I'm kind of unaware of what the IADT course offers. So I was wondering why you decided to go to IADT. Uh, well, initially, what really took me about IADT was the actual uh, locations they had available for for my for our, my course. So, for creative music production, we're not primarily based in IADT. We're actually out in the Sound Training Center, which is uh, in the Temple Bar above the Button Factory. Um, so there we have uh, three studios, massive studios. We have uh, Studio One, the Live Room, Studio Two, and then Sun Studio. Uh, and throughout the, our four years there, we do different uh, projects in that 
that space where we can either rent it for recording other bands, recording ourselves, mixing and mastering, or even just messing around and kind of, you know, experimenting with different things. Uh, and it was probably the facilities that made me, like, pick IDT the most, purely because, like, when I looked at other colleges, there, there wasn't as much available. And to get studio time, you'd have to pay. And whereas with my course, we had unlimited studio time. We had this thing called the car room where we could go in and book an entire drum set if we wanted or microphones that are worth more than me as a person, you know. So it's 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 it, it was it was mainly the opportunities I saw uh, as well as being able to directly link with the button factory. That actually had a big part in, in my college career thanks to all the Ents officer stuff I did. So, um yeah, I would say uh, what took me first with IDT was definitely the the facility and also the general vibe of the college. When I got there, I was very I was very taken by how everyone was very themselves and no one really was like putting up a front or at least not many people. <laughs> but um it it was it was definitely like you could feel like you could be yourself and express yourself without it being like a big judgment thing, which is always a a plus. Did your parents have a background in music or were they great influence in you to go and some music no i was useless no uh no i'm only joking um I, I i've always been into performing so even when i was five or six i was always like when people around the house i was always dancing in front of them and like look at me look at me like very very like you call attention seeking maybe as a kid but like my parents decided to look at it as oh he's just very artistic and he's very like expressive and like you know please get him to do something on the weekend so he has less energy um but so i my parents were really good and signed me up for a lot of uh, dance classes and acting classes as a kid so i did a lot of like musical performance and i was always on stage like i don't really remember a time where i wasn't in front of a group of people performing something uh, so when I was, you know, quite young and I was in like early teens, I uh, I had my own breakdancing troupe and like we, we used to do like shows and I also did a lot of like uh, stage productions where I was Danny Zuko for Greece. Um, nothing, no, no coincidence with the name, nothing, not, not at all. Um, but yeah, I guess from a very early age, I've always been performing. Uh, but I've progressively gotten more and more involved in the musical aspect of it. So I started off dancing to it. Then I started singing, realized I didn't really like the sound of my own voice. So then I decided to pick up an instrument. Um, but I spent I, I spent a lot of time thinking about like how, how I feel most comfortable in front of a crowd. And I've learned that I feel most comfortable when I'm actively doing something. So when I'm playing guitar or making a song live or singing or whatever I feel a lot more comfortable than when I was sitting behind like the DJ desk because I was just it felt a little like disingenuine almost like it, it was like this is a bit too easy <laughs> like, like like I hit play and just go put your hands up and everyone's like yeah I'm like yeah this is so impressive now do you want to hear that same song for the eighth time you know so I um I definitely think that for me uh, a large part of why I got into performance was just because there's there's a certain connection you have with the audience and the certain like ex expression you get to get out of yourself that's like i would i it's it's a weird thing like i wouldn't actively go around thinking i gotta get my fix of performance in you know like uh, like I'm, I'm skagging for it but it's it's like it's more i get to a point where i'm like i i definitely feel more myself when i've been performing and i feel a lot more confident in myself you know Cool. So coming on to our topic for this week, which is obviously music in performance, I was wondering, what is your opinion on music in terms of live performance, in terms of, you know, either exhibition spaces, theatre, film, 
anything really that is live or maybe is going to be created for live use, why do you think music or sound effects are important? Uh, I would say because it's it's one of the primary senses we use and it's one of the main things that we relate to. Uh, I don't think music always has to be provided by a band or someone live. I think it can be a contextual thing where um, if the live performance is, say, more of a, a art piece or uh, a dance piece or some kind of, like, physical expression of uh, movement or, like, you know, of, of a physical expression of art, then music is is quite a large part of that, mainly because it, it activates something in us and, like, it, we relate to it in a way. Like, I, I, I've been to a few art exhibitions where um, the 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 main premise of it was not for it to be an audit uh, like an auditory experience but it was more that it was like a visual piece but the audio kind of was like a was like a side aspect to it but without one you wouldn't have the other one be so impactful so like look looking at visuals uh with music is completely different to looking at just visuals that it allows you to envelop yourself into it and actually like get kind of get more interested and and switch off the part of your brain that's going oh this is just like a, a screen showing some images whereas when when music especially for me um i think that uh, I wouldn't know what to do with myself without it. And it's also, I'd say for a lot of artists, it's one of the main ways we express ourselves. It's it's a really good medium to get a message across because you don't need to outright say something. You can use sounds and textures and noises to convey a lot more than you'd expect to be able to convey. So in terms of sound effects and music and its effect on our audiences, how can we manipulate you know, in a good way, our audiences into feeling certain emotions or engaging with our piece in a certain way? Is there any techniques that you would recommend or know of that really kind of engage with this idea? Uh, I definitely think there's uh, a, a few ways you can do it. Uh, binaural audio is a really part, a big part of that, I think, like the future of kind of uh, relating an emotional expression with music because uh, binaural audio is really in-depth 3D audio that allows you like a, a 360 listening experience for something you see it a lot on like ASMR videos where people are whispering like uh, and and they're being the it's it like if that's your if that's your cup of tea then whatever but um it's I think there's a large part of, like going on what you said of um how do you like kind of how you can um I guess how you can it, it give an impression to someone or, or 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 convey something to someone without them realizing like as you said subconscious uh, subliminal messaging uh i think in in like either a theatrical or a uh, cinema setting or some kind of like um viewing setting you can definitely help like calm someone's emotions and like kind of hone them in on something with some calming music in relation to like you know if you want a busy manic shopping center as you said you might blare you know sleigh bells a jingling you know and and like you have christmas music going 24 7 but if you're trying to uh like say for example if you want like a quiet time you have soothe soothing jazz music or piano or something like that you know um, and I, I definitely think that uh you can use music to not only like calm an, an audience but also kind of get them on your side kind of you know like kind of a, a a fleeting wave of relaxation over everyone as as they walk through the doors of a shopping center and they are hit with like smooth jazz and uh like i i definitely think that audio is a huge part of how you can improve someone's experience with uh, an event or a, a theatrical production or something um or even like it, it uh, one thing i always found was very convenient uh is is what music you play before a show really dictates the crowd's mood and energy levels during the 
show. So if I if I get on like uh, if I was doing DJ sets again and I have a big crowd of people that uh, I know there's a list of songs in my head that I could I could play and I will have them singing along no problem. But there's also an equally long list of songs that if I play the mood will drop. So it's 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 quite it's quite interesting because over the years I've done so many gigs that I will admit I've had times where I've been sitting behind the decks and I've literally just the only thing in my head is I want to mess with the room I I just want I I want to see how I can change the vibe and it's amazing how quickly uh, music can can change a, a crowd you know. So coming on to, I suppose, our topic for this week, which was Jane Eyre that I've seen in National Theatre being streamed, and they used a live band on stage, which I thought was really effective. And I've seen numerous plays in the past and productions that have used live um, orchestrations or possibly, you know, live sound effects by the actors. What is your opinion on using, you know, a live form of music or sound better than a pre-recorded looped um kind of effect i suppose that's a really good question uh there's actually quite a controversial debate been sparked up in my friend group about the use of samples and loops and 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 that kind of thing uh we're totally against it um but it's it's interesting i think sound effects and pre-recorded stuff uh are completely justified when there are limitations so like for for me for example i play a lot of my stuff on my own so i i have to handle the the guitar bass vocals drums uh synthesizers everything in in one kind of in in one in one sitting which is quite tough because you know it's very d- difficult to play guitar and sing at the same time but playing guitar singing launching drum patterns editing samples it's it gets a little bit much after the second or third thing you know so i i definitely think that in live performance Loops and pre-recorded material are completely justified, but only when they're giving context as to why they're being used. So if you're on, like, as you say, like, um, if you have someone performing a guitar section on stage, you'd prefer to use the instrument because it gives you, not only does it give context, but also gives you, oh, this is more than, than just like a, a sample or a stock sound effect. Someone has actually recorded and written this for this project. And it just makes the whole thing seem a little bit more genuine and professional. Whereas when you hit a, a, a button and it's a stock sound effect or a stock recording from online, not only does it take you out of the experience, but it cheapens the entire interaction with the with the audience and the performance. Because, you know, you've, you've worked months and months tirelessly to get down the choreography, to get down the timing, the points where you're like, bang, 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 this this is the, this you know, you, you get your entire set list, as it were, out. Um, but if you were sitting there and you have all these amazing plans but you cheapen the whole thing by taking away like professional audio or performance then it just takes everyone out of the experience but i i think sound effects and loops can be used when you have limitations such as like if you don't have a drummer i can understand using a drum pad or using a drum loop but i definitely think there's there's an important part of that where you have to use it tastefully and you also have to have some kind of interaction with it you know hit some drum pads and mimic the pattern that's playing make it look like you've recorded it live you know just basically it, it's all about like putting the wall over the uh the the audience's eyes and making it one smooth production rather than a bunch of like segregated musical pieces that kind of go together but not really so for our artists who are possibly working in an exhibition space or any other space where they might have an audience group or client what is your opinion on using music and how do you think they can use music either install it 
Um, I know there's certain different kind of technologies now with 360 and sound effects, all those kind of things. How do you use them? Or what's your opinion on them? Uh, I would say, if you see, uh, exhibitions are obviously very different uh, depending on what the project you're doing is. But for for me, if I was if I was especially if I was doing some audio uh, to match a visual piece or to match a model or an atmosphere, I would definitely focus on getting someone who knows like three D space because uh, it it sounds it sounds odd, but um, if you can even like a simple loop or melody or song can sound a hundred times better if you can contextualize the space that it's in so especially if it's relative to the project so if you're doing a project on say outer space things or some something to do with sci-fi um your your soundtrack to that has to be analog it has to be uh, digital warmth it has to have some kind of like uh, like technical aspect to it that sounds and can like sounds like it's from the world that it, that you're trying to portray so same if you're doing uh, a magic alice in the wonderland kind of style uh, project or any kind of like uh, i don't know really like out there concept you need to provide like a an audio context for the the listener and especially in an exhibition space um i would focus uh, entirely on like getting a solid like kind of binary audio i know i used that keyword before but like you need like kind of a, a like a 3d audio space for the 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 listener just to be enveloped into your project not to not to be sitting there putting the headphones on going yep there's a beat in the background of of this of this project you know it's something that takes you away from where you're standing and kind of transports you to this like experience this like the 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 artistic piece and it actually conveys like the 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 reasoning of the art rather than just being another song that you hear just to distract you from the noise of the exhibition so if i if my, my advice to boil it down would be um if you are someone who is planning to have a visual and audio aspect to your project uh find someone who can help you with the audio project or learn it yourself um but it's it's not complicated if i can do it anyone can do it <laughs> but um but it, i definitely think that yeah it, find find a way to find the space that you want it to be in like 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 imagine the the world that you want to be transported to when you look at your project or you experience your project and then just do your very best to realize that vision and just get it in an audio context and it'll just i think it'll just tighten up everything it just it brings it all together it makes it one complete piece it would be it would be kind of like going to a concert and they're all playing a song but that what they're doing on their hands doesn't match what you're hearing it would just there's no context for what you're hearing it doesn't sound right whereas if everything matches up then it just i don't know there's, there's a certain uh polish and finish to it that just feels right so what is your genre i suppose what is the genre behind your music that you create if there is one uh, for me uh i would describe my style it's quite hard like i'm sure you you get this as an artist yourself when someone says like so what do you do and i'm like i do things <laughs> like you know i am um, i would say that my 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 genre anyway like where like kind of the area i sit would be uh, industrial electronic rock which sounds like quite a mouthful and it is uh, but um it I, I would say i i'm heavily influenced by bands like 9 inch nails um and that like Trent Reznor himself, like the 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 main guy of Nine Inch Nails, has been a huge inspiration mainly because he all his film scoring and his atmospheric stuff, as well as his like hard hitting kind of more industrial rock kind of real like thumper songs. Um, there's a lot of dynamic differences um across his music, and it's just 
it's really interesting to see how someone can can contrast the the loud and angry with the soft and happy as well as i kind of find like a like almost a macabre in in between where it's like this like dissonance and like uh, almost um disconcerting noises uh and like really heavy levels of distortion that's that's one thing that i don't i don't know what it is i think every musician's different they all find different um different sounds and different textures that kind of express themselves and i've always found that like you know give me a distortion pedal and some reverb and that's me and I'm, I'm happy like um but i definitely think for me uh, a big influence in my music has been um textures and spaces i think that like music particularly going back to what we said about uh, exhibitions and everything i think the right soundtrack can can almost um i guess it can contextualize a memory um, so like same when you know you have a familiar sight or sound uh, when you smell a certain smell or hear a certain thing it brings you back to a time when you first heard it or first smelt it or first saw it or whatever it was um, so I definitely think that uh, the the music I listen to and my experience over the years has been particular songs have really stuck with me uh, and really influenced me and even though I might be recording something like like freeform jazz or something there's still things in the back of my head um from the first so- time i heard i don't know like um pretty hate machine or uh if i the first time i heard like black sabbath's 13 album when i was like 16 years old and i and i was like this is like this is it this is music like um but I de- so t- sorry i've gone on a ramble but um i uh, i i think for me um like my biggest influence has been like just I don't know the the people's fearlessness to express themselves and to because I'm quite a happy-go-lucky person. My music is not happy-go-lucky, um, so like uh, I like I I'd be here smiling away, but then my songs will be quite heavy guitar riffs and like screaming vocals and a lot of distortion and it's it's I think for me it's all about contrast. Um, I like. I, I like to record angry songs because I'm not an angry person. If I was an angry person, I might like happy songs. You know, like it's I, I, I think we um we make what we what we need to to express. You know, the things that the things that we we are either not comfortable with expressing or the things we want to express more. I definitely think we're we're kind of drawn towards. I think um it's I, it's a, one of the reasons I think artists like creepy art and and things that are unsettling. It's because it's it's stuff that's not conventional and stuff that we don't typically see or interact with every day. So I like lo- there you go. That's the tagline. I I like unconventional music that you don't hear and see every day. Cool. And the question that I ask all my guests on the show is, why do you think the arts are important to Ireland, and what do you think needs to change in the mentality, either of the government or other people, when it comes to the arts? Uh, I think the the largest thing uh, that's wrong with like the arts in Ireland at the moment is there's an almost unwillingness in in, in a large um, part of my experience anyway. There's almost like an unwillingness to support other artists uh, just because they're artists. And so there's quite a, there's quite a competitive atmosphere in things. So it, it seems like if you're not uh, at the top of your game and, ma- and making content all day, every day, um, you're not really on anyone's radar, which means you're not really on anyone's support list. I think people need to make more of an effort to go to the the smaller gigs, the the art exhibitions in the middle of nowhere, the the small cheese and wine nights that your friend did to, when they put up their paintings. You know, I think it's important to go to these things because it's it's showing people that you know you can support each other and actually experience each other's art, 
and it's not just the people who are charging 80 euro for a concert ticket that are getting people in the door i i i would i would scarcely see more than 100 people at a concert that cost a fiver in the door whereas when i would go to a concert like some big act in the three arena or something like that it's it's packed to the brim and i know people spent a minimum of like 80 90 quid in a ticket and like the experiences are completely different you go to a small venue you interact with the band you're in the front row you see them you talk to them you hear them for context of the arts anyway i think people need to put more time and effort into supporting smaller artists who are just coming up and I also think the government can do a lot more for um, providing spaces for people to do this. Half of Dublin's a hotel now, so you can't really go to venues, especially during COVID, obviously. But anywhere that was like accessible and and playable for people, it, it's still clubs and venues that would ask for 900 quid up front from a band just to play there. And that's not even guaranteed ticket sales or anything. So upcoming musicians unless you know people and you have networks you, you'd scarcely find a gig uh, unless you unless you're willing to just play for free and then that's not how you support each other as artists you know i i i just think going forward people need to be a lot more um open to smaller gigs and 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 be more into undiscovered artists and and really and really give each other like a, an ear or an eye uh, to a project Brilliant. And Danny, where can we find your work on social media? Do you have any Instagram handles, Twitter, um, anywhere really that we can find your work? Yeah, so uh, my website is dannysykes.com and my Instagram is dannysykesmusic. I make a lot of shite. (laughs) uh, No, I I post regularly. Uh, You can find me on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play. Uh, at Danny Sykes uh, Music well it's just Danny Sykes on, on Spotify uh, I have a few songs up at the moment and I'm working on some other projects with some lovely people at the moment so hopefully I'll have more music and tunes out I'm also on YouTube uh, as Danny Sykes but I don't really post there so good luck <laughs> um, but yeah um, that, that's 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 all my, my social links you can find me on Facebook as well if you really want fantastic and we will tag Danny in all of our posts as you so you can find all of his work there thank you so much for joining me danny and thank you all for listening stay safe and keep creating